Today, we are going to continue uh, third week in our series at the movies. And if you've been here, you kind of know what we're doing. If you haven't, let me explain. Uh, at the movies is, is something we do during the month of July, a little different uh, than what we do during the rest of the year. Instead of like opening up a book of the Bible, uh, like the book of James, and try to understand it verse by verse, which is actually where we're headed after this series, or instead of like asking some questions that people are thinking about, wondering about, and seeking answers for them in the Bible, what we do in At The Movies is we know people watch movies. We know there's some wonderful themes in movies, and we try to look at a theme or a couple of themes in a movie and say, well, what does God's Word have to say about that? And we get to kind of have this fun interaction. We're going to get to watch some clips today, and, uh, and, and it's been fun. And today, uh, the movie we're going to watch is... Disney's Mary Poppins Returns. And I always like to have a little bit of a reference point to know uh, how much you guys know about any given movie. Who's seen Mary Poppins Returns? Hey, that is actually pretty darn good. Uh, who came on Friday night to see Mary Poppins Returns and still hasn't seen Mary Poppins <laughs> Returns? Yes, <I'm>, uh, <laughs> it was kind of a wild, fun time. Uh, who's seen Mary Poppins? Yeah, just about everybody. Um, it, it is, it's a classic. Uh, it may be better than Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, th they're both great movies, though. Either way, you're going to be able to track with what we're talking about this morning because uh, what we're going to do is talk about a theme uh, from the movies that's really related to every single one of our lives. And uh, I'm just going to use the movie to draw out some ideas to help us think about that theme. Before uh, we get into it, before we open up the Bible, why don't we go ahead and pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every single person who walked in the door this morning, who came uh, to know more about you, to, to worship you, to understand your word, to see who, who you are, to understand who we are better. And Jesus, I pray as we uh, open up what you've said to us in the scripture, when we uh, think about what we learn and see in this movie, Lord, you would open us up to new things, that especially we'd get a, a, a vision, a, a trust, and how big you are, and how wonderful you are, and how incredible, amazing things you can do. And I just pray we would see that and trust it and, and live into it this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, so last spring, my five-year-old boy, Johnny, who I love to talk about, uh, busted in the back door, and he was like, Dad, 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 Dad. And I was like, what, Johnny, what? And uh, his eyes were wide and his hands, like, both up to uh, his elbow were covered in mud, and he had a spade in his hand. And, uh, and he had been in my backyard. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, what, Johnny? He goes, Dad, I did, I did something. I did something. He grabbed my hand, and he took me out to the middle of my backyard where there was a, a considerable hole, and, uh, and it had been covered in dirt, and right next to it was kind of the remnant pieces of a beat-up lemon. And he said, Dad, I planted a lemon tree. Because, <laughs> Dad, I, we are going to have so many lemons. And he was, he was, so, uh, it, he was so excited. And it, it was uh, not wonderful that I had a big hole in my yard, but it was uh, just a wonderful moment where I got to, like, take part of childlike joy and imagination and, and what Johnny got to experience in that lemon. Like, I, I, th there is just this kind of 
primal sense of wonder and joy and imagination that kids have when they do something or they see something new and the world opens up in a whole new way with like possibility and potential and there's this anticipation that they can feel that's in their body as Johnny expressed as he ran around the yard and told me everything else that he was going to plant and I took the spade away from him. But um, uh, it's just, there's just something wonderful about uh, being like a child uh, and, and getting to see children and take joy in their unbridled joy. And, and it's something that uh, we adults love to see in children. And I'm, I wonder if partly because it's something that we adults tend to lose over time, right? We don't have that same kind of unbridled joy and imagination. And, and as we go through life, for a lot of reasons, it just kind of dissipates or erodes over time. And this is actually one of the themes that, that comes out in the movie Mary Poppins Returns. Why don't we go ahead and, and watch one of the scenes from All right. So uh, that is uh, a wonderful line from the movie. Have you forgotten what it's like? To hold a balloon, no. To be, to be like a child. And uh, that character who Angela Lansbury, the balloon lady, is talking to, his name is Michael. And just to give you kind of the plot line for the movie, Michael is actually one of the original Banks children from the original Mary Poppins movie. So he is one of these kids that uh, Mary Poppins comes and teaches how to experience fun and joy in life by using their Im imagination. He knows that a teaspoon of sugar, right, makes the medicine go down, right? He's experienced all of this wonderful thing. He knows how to use his imagination. But as we discover over time, Michael has, has kind of forgotten all that. And so Angela Lansbury asks him this really uh, pointed question, uh, have you forgotten what it's like to be a child? And the reason he has forgotten what it's like to be a child is significant. He's actually, as, as we discover, uh, experienced a great loss. His wife died a few years earlier. And what, what we find is, uh, as the beginning of the movie kind of unfolds, um, he uh, lost his wife. And really, ever since, Michael has been totally struggling. He's kind of just lost his way. He is now totally overwhelmed with what's happening in his own life. He's uh, become a little distant from his children. He has not worked through all the grief that he's experiencing. And, um, and, and what's happened uh, as two bank lo loan debt collectors come to the house, we discover he's made some financial moves that are going to put the whole future of the family in jeopardy. The bank is threatening to take back the bank's family home. And so this is the plot that uh, works out through the movie. However, similar to the first Mary Poppins, just when the bank's family needs it the most, guess who shows up? Mary Poppins on this uh, kite that Michael ha is throwing away that's from his childhood in the first movie. Uh, his kids go out one day in a stormy day and play, and the kite ends up in the sky, and in their own words, suddenly they catch a nanny on their kite. And, uh, and so she, uh, Mary Poppins descends on the right there from the sky on this kite that they're flying. She comes down. And then uh, it's supposed to remind us of how she entered in from the first movie, Mary Poppins, and she came on the 
like parrot umbrella, right? And um, yeah, and so uh, it, it, it's just this uh, story of Mary Poppins again returning uh, to save the day, uh, which hopefully isn't too much of a spoiler in the Disney movie category, right? But uh, if I had to identify one of the major themes in both Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns, I, I, would, I would say that, that it, it's this. Life's better lived with the fun and imagination of a child. Life is better lived when we live it more like children, when we're able to experience it uh, and, and meet it with imagination when we, when we put fun into it. And, and so we should become more like children, right? That's kind of one of the, the, the take-home messages of the movie. Is it a good message? Yeah, I love it. I, I think it's a great message, right? <laughs> uh, Shannon doesn't always want me to be a child, but I love uh, living life like a child. And I think this is a message that resonates uh, with a lot of us. It's probably part of the reason Mary Poppins became a classic, right? But um, one of the questions I'm always asking uh, as a follower of Jesus, and maybe pr probably especially a lot more as a pastor, is are good messages God messages, right? Like, is this is a good message. Is it a biblical message? And, uh, and so what do you think? Is becoming like a child um, a, biblical, a biblical message? See some heads nodding? Yeah, uh, there is a, a verse, actually, that kind of um, uh, people think of, and there's a phrase that, that has come out of that verse that I bet many of you guys are familiar with. It's this, faith like a child, right? Having faith with the wonder and joy and imagination of a child, and I wonder if he's laughing because there's no way he understands what that boy is reading right now. But um, uh, it, that, that, uh, that verse comes from Matthew 18, and uh, 18.3, and what I want to do is kind of look at it and study it and understand it this morning. And so if you have your Bible, if you brought it, uh, please open up to Matthew 18 now. If you didn't, I'd really encourage you to reach uh, in the chair in front of you and grab the Bible on page 799. Um, it's going to be there. And I'm going to go ahead and read, starting with just the verse from uh, the, the, that we draw this out of. Matthew 18.3, it says this. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me read it again. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that's the verse. That's where faith like a child uh, comes from. And uh, here's the thing, if this verse was just this verse, if all we had was this verse to understand what Jesus was saying, I actually think we'd have a little bit of trouble interpreting this verse. Because while it's really clear that Jesus is saying to us, uh, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a child, what's not clear is what Jesus means when he says, you have to become like a child. Like what thing in children is what Jesus wants in us to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what, that's what we don't know. That's not clear. Does he mean that we should uh, be, be fun and joyful in the way we approach life like little kids are to enter heaven? Does he mean that we should become innocent like children? Does he mean that we should have the trust that a child has? Uh, does he mean that we should become physically small 
because the pearly gates are tiny and there's no other way for us to get through them, right? Uh, that's ridiculous, okay? But here's the thing. If all we had was this verse, I'm not sure we could rule that out because there, there aren't the contextual clues in 18.3 to know what's going on, what, exactly what Jesus means here. Uh, so we have to do what is a really critical, important thing when you're looking and trying to understand any verse in the Bible. You've got to read it in context. Context is king, and so that's what I want to do. I want to read the entire passage, which will help us really understand what Jesus means when he says you've got to change and become like a child. So let's read 18 verses 1 through 4, okay? 18 verses 1 through 4, it's this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him, And placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so that's the context. And here's the first kind of contextual note that helps us to understand what Jesus means. He's answering a question about how you can be great, right? The disciples are coming to him with a question, and he's answering it. And and actually, this isn't the first time we've heard the disciples in the Gospels have this question. They're always wondering about how they can be great. Uh, They know that Jesus is a king, and one day he is going to bring in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And they are anxiously anticipating that time. And they're wondering, as his disciples, when he's king... How can I be also awesome, you know? And, uh, and so they're coming again to Jesus with this question. And it's in response to this question that Jesus takes a child and he puts that child in the middle of them. And he says, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what, what is the child uh, doing in Jesus's answer? He, uh, the, the kid's an object lesson. He is, he is visually giving them an understanding of what uh, is happening, of what he wants them to understand about greatness, and he's saying, look at this child. And, and when they do, everything that they think about children comes to mind and actually messes up their understanding of greatness. Because here's the thing, in the first century ancient Near East, children were not great in, in really any way whatsoever. Um, Children uh, in the first century were not understood or treated like they are now. Long and short, they were basically just tolerated. And, um, and, and that doesn't mean that, that parents didn't deeply love kids. It doesn't mean that they didn't consider them great, incredible gifts from God. We see that in the scripture. Uh, but what, what is different then and is now, especially in first century, 21st century America, is they would never even dreamed of like uh, designing their life around the needs of a child or around the future and, and desires of a child. Uh, uh, they, they never would have done that, ever, like we do today. And, and so society didn't cater to children. It didn't market products to kids. Uh, fire code wasn't directly related to litigation liabilities regarding children which we're discovering as we get ready to open up our MCP. And uh, a, a, children were tolerated. Children had no status. Children were seen 
but actually they didn't even really want to be seen, and they were definitely not heard. Like, the 50s would have been awesome for first century ancient Near Eastern kids, okay? So you kind of have a different reference point here. And, and, uh, and, you know, just one other evidence of that historically is even the words that they used <clears throat> in Greek to, to talk about kids. For instance, <clears throat> one first century Greek word for child is pious or paidon. And, and, you know, it means child. You know what it also means? Servant or slave. Sounds wonderful. Um, another one, that was a joke, okay. Another one. <laughs> Nepios uh, meant child, but it wasn't, it wasn't just child. It actually had connotations of inexperience, foolishness, helplessness. It's the root of nepotism, right? And, uh, and, and so what is Jesus saying here in bringing this child into the disciples uh, when he's answering their question about greatness? What he's saying is, look, greatness isn't what you think it is in my kingdom. It is upside down, and actually it's related to humility which is what Jesus says as he interprets his own action in the next verse, verse 4, where he says this, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be great, take the lowly, humble position, take the no power, take the tolerated position of this child, right? It's, it's with Jesus as it so often is, He's saying greatness is upside down, right? Uh, If you want to be great, don't strive or worry about having a powerful position or or how you're going to do incredible things uh, or or what you are going to be. What you need to worry about is having a heart that is humble, that isn't worried about position, that isn't worried about what you're going to be, that that, that simply uh, is there uh, and present and learning and open and innocent like the heart of a child. And that's what Jesus means when he talks uh, about, about becoming like a child. You guys got it? Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, you might be wondering, so if faith like a child isn't really about like imagination or fun, right? Um, how is David going to tie this thing into the message of Mary Poppins, Right? Uh, let me tell you, I wondered the same thing after we, p- after we picked the movie and I, and I did the exegetical work on the passage, like, shoot, right? Uh, but here's, 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 there's two, there's two points that kind of worked out here. One, um, if you, if you know your Bible, actually, there's two passages where Jesus talks to us about having a childlike kind of, uh, being in the world. Here, his point is to have a childlike humility. In the other one, in Mark 10, actually, uh, he, he, he talks, uh, people are trying to keep kids away from him, and he says, no, let these kids come to me. Uh, if you don't receive the kingdom like a child, uh, you can't enter it. And here, uh, what, what he really is talking about is some of these ideas of openness and, will, and innocence and, and willingness to trust that are part of this concept of faith like a child that we so dearly love. So if you have like a poster that says faith like a child, I didn't ruin it for you, right? You can leave it hanging at your house, right? Okay? Uh, but, but two, here's the other thing. I actually do think when you think about the humble heart of a child that there are really some wonderful connections to faith. And I started to see that when I asked this question about, about humility. How does childlike humility open us up to God? 
How does childlike humility open us up to, to God and his work and God's kingdom? And, uh, and so let me share my thoughts. Folks, have you ever noticed how many kids, how many, how many questions kids ask, right? Kids are always asking questions. My sons, Jeremiah and Jonathan, wear me out. We will take a 30-minute car ride, and they will ask 300 questions. I literally have had to say, stop it. I am tired. Don't ask me questions. Never thought I would say that. Dad, right? Uh, why won't my lemon seed grow in the backyard? <laughs> Dad, where does rain come from? Dad, mom, why can't I drink a Coke at every meal? Uh, some of you will appreciate this. Last week, Jared said, Dad, why does your face look so weird without a beard on it? Right? <laughs> too many questions, right? Kids ask too many questions. Uh, but here's the thing. Why are kids so willing to ask questions? Because they don't know stuff, and they know that they don't know stuff. Right? And they're not ashamed by that. They want to know the answers, so they're asking questions. They don't know stuff, and they know that they don't know stuff, and so they ask. And here's the thing that strikes me about not knowing stuff and knowing that you don't know stuff. It's this. It's actually a pretty good definition of humility. You guys realize that? Uh, to, to know that you don't know stuff, that's, that's, hum that's humility. That's a really humble position to be in, to say, this is what I know, this is what I don't. Here's my limit. Here's my own end point of understanding. And then all this is beyond me. There's more here than I get right? Uh, th there's a bigger world than I can see or understand. That's good, healthy, uh, honestly, God-centered humility. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, you know who doesn't have that kind of humility a lot of the times? Who, who doesn't like to admit what we don't know? We adults, right? Uh, we're, we're not so good at admitting we don't know, right? Especially uh, when we feel like we should know, or especially when we feel like others think that we ought to know, or especially when we're having an argument with our spouse, right? <laughs> uh, you know, we like to think that we know, and we like to stand on the things that we think that we know. And, uh, and there are just so many times like where, where we, because of our pride, are not willing to stop and say, I don't know. Like, for instance, how many of you guys have ever had a conversation where somebody says something smart, and you're not stopping them because you feel like you should have known what they just said, or you don't want them to think that you didn't know what you just said. Like they're talking, somebody says, oh, according to Newton's second law of thermodynamics, and the conversation continues, and you're lost, right? But you don't say, hey, dude, you lost me right there, right? Anybody ever done that? You know, uh, last month I was having a conversation with uh, a younger person. They were in high school, and uh, they were talking, 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 and they said Cardi B. And I didn't know if Cardi B was a what or a who, right? And, uh, <laughs> but, but did I stop them in that conversation? No, because I didn't want to seem like the old dude who didn't know who, what Cardi B was, right? Uh, and it is a who, evidently. Um, so uh, that is, that's about my pride, right? And, uh, and, and we have that issue, right? We don't like to admit when we don't know. Kids have no problem with that, N none at all. Uh, they're willing to ask any question, um, and, and, and there's a humility in there to say, this is what I know, and this is what I know I don't know, because when you know where your limits are, then you can kind of step into the unlimited world of the God who does know everything, right? And, and worlds of possibility and potential can then open up to us, and uh, Mary Poppins really does a good job with that idea. I'll show you this clip. All right, so cut it off for the sake of time. 
From there, uh, one by one, those kids jump into that bathtub themselves, themselves and, uh, and then Mary Poppins themselves. Um, and then Mary Poppins joins them, and, uh, and they enter into this like whole underwater world where incredible things are happening, and they see him. And the reason I love that, um, that clip so much is because it shows these kids opening up to what they don't know, what's possible. And, uh, and, and these Banks kids in this movie, they're actually more like adults than they are children, uh, and they're supposed to be that way because they've had to grow up and seen things and experience things a lot quicker than they should have when their mother died. And so when, when Mary Poppins meets them, they're skeptical. They have this skepticism because they feel like they know they've experienced something that hurt them, and now they're kind of guarded. And, um, and I don't know if you noticed that, but in that video at the beginning, they all had their arms crossed. Their body language was supposed to be guarded. Um, but, but Mary Poppins then sings this really wonderful song, which uh, kind of recognizes their skepticism. You know, some people like to laugh and play. Can you imagine that, right? How could they do that? But at the same time, right, the dolphin head pops out of the, of the bathtub. It's like, oh, and they're like, whoa, you know, what was that? And it's just, uh, it's just this incredible picture of when, when they let down their guards, when they said, maybe I don't know, look at what becomes possible. They have this beautiful, incredible, wonderful experience. And it just makes me think about um, how having the humility to say I don't know and being opening, uh, opening ourselves up to what God does know, um, that maybe there's so much that God uh, wants to do or show us in our lives that we just aren't open to because we, we assume that we know everything. We assume what needs to happen in this given situation, right? Uh, what if we didn't just assume we knew what to do or what was right, right? Like, like uh, have you ever thought maybe God could do something I didn't even imagine here? Uh, maybe there's a possibility there's a door that God wants to open in your life, and maybe you should take some time thinking about that and considering that. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, No eye has ever seen, nor ear has heard, nor human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. Right? And I'd like to believe that. Amen? Here's the second thing uh, I want I want to pull out of this. Humility uh, isn't just a willingness to say, I don't know, that we see in children. Humility is also a willingness to say, I'm going to, to trust those who do know. I'm going to trust a good God and follow God's good ways, right? And there's a passage in Proverbs that I love because it's such a, a uh, summary of what living real faith looks like and what we need to do. I bet many of you love it too. It's Proverbs 3, verses 4 through 5, which says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Right? What does that passage say? It says, don't just trust in what you understand. Don't lean on, so don't act in a way that you are only acting out of your, your own thoughts and ways. It's saying submit Learn to give up, humbly give up your way to God's way in, in everything that you do. And then what is the promise of the passage? That he will make your path straight. That there is uh, a way that God makes and, and, and does in our lives. And there's a humility 
that children have to, to trust uh, their parents or those they love that they're going to work things out, right? That things are going to get worked out. And, uh, and that idea actually also comes in, in this movie in a really good way. Let's watch the next clip. So uh, let, let, let me uh, say clearly, this was not a song written or a movie written with any sort of Christian theology in mind. But that song has so many parallels to things that we see in the Bible that it's, it's really hard to, to miss. Uh, uh, <clears throat> when it's dark, there's someone who can turn on a light, right? Isaiah, people who had been in darkness have seen a great light, right? Uh, what, did, what did Jesus say in the Gospel of John about who he was and what he came to do? I am the light of the world, right? And, um, and I, I really appreciated the last scene in that song, right? Um, the lyrics are great on their own, you know, when you find yourself in a dark place, right? When you're there, you can struggle your own way or you can follow a light, right? But that last scene, the thing that I like especially is that they, they arrive at the end of like this alley and they've been following these lampposts and uh, th there's this one lamppost there and the Learys have led them there and Mary Poppins has led them there and there's no clear way forward, right? That the music changes, we're supposed to be like, what's gonna happen, right? And had they been and waited there longer, I bet they would have been like, you stupid Leary leading me to the end of this, you know, uh, this alleyway, right? I'm gonna leave, you know? They'd stop trusting the light. They would try to go their own way, but what happens? Uh, what do we do now, Mary Poppins? And they turn around and she comes forward. She knocks on that lamppost, and I don't know if you could see it, but it descends and an entirely new way forward for them happens that they would have had no idea about whatsoever. But because they were humbly willing to trust, God opened up. Uh, God, Mary Poppins opened up a way. <laughs> Not God, Mary Poppins, okay? Uh, <laughs> but, but here's, <laughs> here, th think about Proverbs 3, 4 through 5, right? Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge, submit to him, and he will make your path straight, right? And, uh, and it just makes me think, you know, so often when we struggle, uh, when we want our own way, when we've gone down a dark road, when we aren't sure exactly how things can resolve, part of faith, part of childlike humility that leads to real living faith is one that says, I am willing to trust you here I am going to uh, be willing to not follow my own way, but yours. And, and God, I'm going to trust that you can work things out even when I don't see how that's possible, right? And, and isn't that really part of what's central in our, our Christian belief, right? That God can do that? Because didn't Jesus said what is impossible with man is what? Possible with God? And didn't, didn't, did anybody believe that the blind could see or the lame could walk? right? Or the deaf could hear and talk, right? Whoever thought that a dead man could rise up from the grave. But uh, with a childlike humility and a faith to believe that it happened, right? God can make some dead things alive in our lives too. Amen. Praying you guys would have the faith like a child to believe that. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for your grace and your love. I want to thank you for the way that you light the way for us. Uh, Lord, in so many dark places that we find ourselves in, I just pray that we would have the humility and willingness to trust 
and know what we don't know, but know that you do know. And I, I just thank you that uh, that's true personally for every single person here. And I pray if somebody here this morning has the Holy Spirit knocking on their door, uh, talking to them to be faithful, Lord, that, that they would, that they would remember your promises, that they would trust in you, that they would follow uh, and lean not on their own understanding, but see you make the path straight. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.